Welcome to the revolution. Hello and welcome to Red Pill Revolution. My name is Austin Adams, and thank you so much for listening today. I appreciate it so, so much. We have some very fun and interesting things to talk about today. Some things about the royal family on the backs of Queen Elizabeth's death last week. Some things about, I don't know, strippers at old folks' homes. And then we will also talk about a little bit about UFOs, a little bit of everything today. So you are in for it. It's going to be a great show. Thank you so much for listening. The first thing I need you to do before we jump into it is just go ahead and hit that subscribe button for me. All right. It takes five seconds of your day. It means the world to me. That's all I need you to do right now is hit the five star review button and subscribe. It takes five seconds. Like I said, if you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, leave a review. If you are watching this on YouTube, go ahead and hit that like button wherever you're at. I appreciate you so much. And again, welcome to the revolution. We are going to jump right into it. Here are the articles we're going to discuss. A nursing home has apologized after hiring strippers for their residence. <laughs> and we will discuss that. We actually have a video today, which you guys are in for a treat for. Um, there's some very, very happy old folks in this old folks home. And when I decide to put myself in one many, many years from now, I may just have to figure out which one this one was <laughs> because it looks like they're having a great time. Um, the next one is discussing that Prince, or I'm sorry, not no longer Prince, King Charles himself is now uh, seemingly going to appoint Prince Andrew into a high-level position, and if you don't know anything about Prince Andrew, you will in just a few minutes. There's a couple articles that we'll discuss on that. We're also going to talk about the Pakistan's former prime minister getting caught red-handed uh, with some documents. Now, normally, I don't really care about the Pakistani former prime minister at all, uh, but this was a, pr a pretty interesting one, so um, we'll find out why he got caught red-handed, uh, basically, um, yeah, basically putting uh, documents out there during a legal case that didn't even exist. So we'll discuss that. We will also talk about El Paso firing a teacher for going and calling pedophiles maps to their students and trying to convince them to do the same. So again, we will discuss all of that and a few more things, including UFOs and China potentially finding a nuclear fusion fuel with limitless energy from the moon. All right, so lots of interesting stuff. Stick around. Thanks for listening. Hit that subscribe button if you didn't already. I forgive you, but if you don't do it now, I may not. All right, I forgive you, but just hit it. I'd appreciate it, sincerely. All right, let's get into it. Welcome to Red Pill Revolution. My name is Austin Adams. Red Pill Revolution started out with me realizing everything that I knew, everything that I believed, everything I interpret about my life is through the lens of the information I was spoon-fed as a child. Religion, politics, history, conspiracies, Hollywood, medicine, money, food, all of it. Everything we know was tactfully written to influence your decisions and your view on reality by those in power. Now, I'm on a mission. A mission to retrain and re-educate myself to find the true reality of what is behind that curtain. And I'm taking your ass with me. Welcome to the revolution.
All right, let's jump into it. Episode number 44 of the Red Pill Revolution podcast, and I appreciate you more than you know. The very first article that we are going to jump into today is going to be a nursing home apologizing, not sure why, after hiring strippers for their residents. So we have heard of drag shows for infants and children, but what we have not heard of yet is strippers for old folks' homes. <laughs> and this is probably my favorite new video. There's a hilarious video making its round of a stripper basically shaking her boobs <laughs> and doing all sorts of things in front of these old, old men and women in their masks. It's quite, quite hilarious. So we will watch that in just a second. But I do find it interesting, right? The the uh, drag show for children is such a hot topic. It seems like there was literally never a drag show for children, right? Because it's a sexualized show until very, very recently. Um, so in, in, there's probably a very obvious reason why. There's absolutely no reason children should be involved in drag shows, you know. But maybe that's me being crazy, thinking that we shouldn't sexualize, you know, toddlers and infants. But who knows? So let's go ahead and watch this video here. It is quite hilarious of this nursing home debacle. <laughs> and then we'll talk about some of the comments that came up in this, and then we'll move on to some more serious topics. But I thought, we, you know, we'll start this one off light today. <laughs> and I'll kind of talk you through what we are seeing in a, uh, you know, PG-13 fashion here. Although it's not, it's not that wild. You know, you can find it. It's not that crazy, but pretty hilarious stuff. All right, let's go ahead and pull this article or this video up it seems like it's in a different country but it's uh basically this young woman she looks like some type of i don't know i don't know if she's asian or something but they're speaking a different language and she's literally shaking her butt in front of these old folks home <laughs> these old folks sitting in their wheelchairs and there is just this man who is so excited to be there with holding this woman's boobs in her hand his hand <laughs> this is comical comical now i don't know why this isn't a thing i think there's a company here i, I don't know why this is not a thing already there should absolutely be an entire stripper company designed to go to old folks homes. I don't know why we're like thinking that shouldn't be a thing. I don't know why these people feel like the need to apologize for hiring a stripper. Um, the only thing they should be hire or the, the only thing they should be apologizing for is not hiring enough strippers because there was only one there and there's plenty of people to go around. Uh, they should absolutely bring in more people. Um, so <laughs> I don't know why they, they feel the need to do this. Now let's look through some of the comments here. Somebody says, for uh, flip's sake, they're old, they aren't dead. Yeah, of course. Why wouldn't these people enjoy themselves? You're on your way out. You might as well have a good time. Um, <laughs> let's see what somebody else said. Uh, this is coming from Reddit, uh, Reddit slash facepalm. And somebody said, are we facepalming for the apology? The hiring is exemplary. <laughs> Uh, the next comment says, maybe next time male strippers for the ladies too. Maybe that's what they forgot and why they have apologized. <laughs> All right. I think that's enough on that topic, but I think it's awesome. 100% I am absolutely behind the strippers at old folks homes way, way more than I am behind the children going to drag shows. 
right? We see all these like horrific videos of, of literal children going to drag shows and giving money to these men. And in 90% of the time at these drag shows, they are highly unhealthy and, and must we say overweight. And even in some cases, a doctor may call them obese, but majority of the time it's obese, obese men who are shaking the, what they did not have given to them by God in front of children, asking them for money for sexual acts in front of them. It's like literally one of the most horrific things. And like I said earlier, we didn't see that literally a year ago. We didn't see it at all. There was no drag shows, you know, shaking of, uh, you know, butts in front of children that was found to be acceptable a year ago. It's literally so baffling to me how this even became a conversation that we need to have. Um, and everybody who attends these with their children should absolutely have CPS called on them. Although there's another conversation about whether CPS is literally just designed to traffic children for profit. Um, I heard somewhere that each child that they actually take away from the children ends up being like a hundred thousand dollars or more. Like it, it might've even been like a million. Um, every time CPS takes a child away from their family, they make money off of it from the, the country, from the state, from the federal government or the state government. They're actually profiting from taking children from their parents. And, you know, we went through a whole, you know, the whole vaccination thing. We had to look at it. Luckily, we're in a state here where they have exemptions for children, surprisingly enough, in the state that I'm in, but they do. They have exemptions. They even have philosophical exemptions for vaccination, but there has been several, several cases. I did a ton of research on it when we decided not to give our children the COVID vaccine um, for many, many reasons. The first being it's not a vaccine. Um, it's mRNA gene therapy, which has never been done before, you know, do your own research on that and make your own decisions for your own children. Um, but with our children's history and everything else, we decided not to do it. So we had to go and actually physically research what could happen if the state decided to come after us for that. And if come to find out we fall under exemptions, which is really nice to be in a state. I would never move to a state where that's not the case because they've actually, I looked at all of the laws in our state and I looked at all of the previous legal proceedings and cases against parents for not vaccinating. And there was like nine cases in the last hundred years or 70 years when this became a law where they attempted to do so. Now, luckily a majority of those cases, they did not win and the parents actually ended up winning the case. Um, but just tells you how far the state is willing to go to profit from stealing children from their parents. It's horrible. So, you know, do a little bit of research on that. And I, I think it's, again, worth an episode almost diving into what CPS actually is, what majority they go after, because a lot of times it's directly affecting minority communities disproportionately, um, you know, but I digress. So let's go ahead and move on from our nursing home strippers, and we'll move into <laughs> the royal family situation. This week, uh, Queen Elizabeth died. If you are hiding under a rock this week or you're listening from the future in a time machine, now listening back, this is uh, Wednesday, September 14th, 2022, that this is episode is happening. And the uh, Queen died last week after almost 70 years of her reign, allowing Prince Charles to become King Charles. Now, some of the controversy that's coming up from that is that King Charles now, uh, you know, is now looking to, so, so King Charles is now going to appoint Prince Andrew to step in for him first if he is ill or out of the country. That's right. The same Prince Andrew, it says, who was a close friend of Jeffrey Epstein and used $12 million of tax-based income 
to settle a sexual assault case with Virginia Garuff, the same Virginia Garuff who was at the Ghislaine Maxwell trial testifying directly, right? You know, that one. So King Charles is going to appoint a literal pedophile to potentially step in for him. Now, we'll actually look into what that means um, and, and what the actual title is that he'll be getting, um, but we'll read some of the comments here. It says he was already a counselor to his mom, Queen Elizabeth II. The Regency Act of 1937 decides who can be counselors. Apparently, there's not a clause that has to do with, you know, paying off children for doing illegal sexual acts on them, you know, and being part of international sex trafficking rings. Maybe that should be a clause. I don't know. Who am I? Although if you go and read the Ashley Biden journal, uh, you'll know that, you know, our royalty, our princes and princes, our presidents and their family are not also immune to these types of acts. Um, but it goes on to say that three of them are non-working royals. Um, you guys need new legislation. So Prince Andrew or Prince Anne can replace pedo prince. Now, Princess Anne is a, uh, somebody goes on to say, for real, Princess Anne is a G, does a lot of low-profile royals work, charity work, zero scandals, not a big spender. Um, I could be propagandized by the news, but she seems humble and hardworking. I think she may have even been the one who was uh, allowed to stand beside the princes um, in one of these proceedings for like one of the very first times. Um, but quite interesting. Uh, don't really know why a king of a nation would potentially put a pedophile in a possession of power. But, you know, once you find out that maybe potentially majority of them are culprits in this type of thing, uh, you know, it starts to be much more believable. Now, this article goes on to say that King Charles III appoints Prince Andrew in new important role. Another article says that Prince Andrew can still be deputized for king as counselor of state, but Princess Anne can't under new rules. And then um, we'll go ahead and jump into one of those articles here. So it goes on to say that King, uh, King Charles III ascended the throne after his late mother, Queen Elizabeth II, passed away at her country estate in Balmoral, Scotland. The 73-year-old was officially announced as the nation's new sovereign last Saturday, September 10th. And following his proclamation, the new head of state was supposedly appointed his younger brother, Prince Andrew, as counselor of state. Robert Peston, journalist and political editor for ITV News, posted a thread of tweets explaining the situation. And he says, the monarch appoints five counselors of state to stand in for him when he is unwell or out of the UK. Peston began, they are his spouse plus the top four in succession to the crown who are age 21 or over. These include Prince Andrew and his daughter, Princess Beatrice. It says that, uh, but not Prince Anne, who is probably the most widely respected in all of the royal family. Many would say this is nuts, especially since the 2013 secession of the Crown Act ended primogenture, primogenture, not sure what that is, though um, only for those born after 2011. Uh, interesting. It says, it continues that, so if King Charles were incapacitated, Andrew would step in as king, not Anne. He ended his thread with the question, do you think most British people would approve? I would certainly hope not. It says, taken to Twitter, many users shared their answers to Peston's questions. One responded, I most certainly would become a Republican under those circumstances. No way would I accept Andrew as a stand-in for the king. This is nuts. 
A second person wrote, In his first week as king, Charles has had two hissy fits about pens, sacked dozens of his staff at Clarence House, and now is rehabilitating Prince Nantes. Good calls, your majesty. Yeah. I saw him do that where he was like sitting there signing documents and like pissed that there was some stuff on the table and like waved in somebody else because he, how dare he have to move the king's hand to move a, you know, pen off of a desk. Um, it goes on to say that a third waited or wants to wait for an outcome, tweeting, let's see what the actual outcome is. I don't think people will stomach Andrew being in that line. I'm pro monarchy. I may be, it may be a legal glitch or point of clarification may be needed, but certainly needs to be changed. Andrew had also uh, previously served as the Queen's Counselor of State, along with King Charles, Prince William, and Prince Harry. Hmm. Um, so, who better to take on the throne <laughs> than a potential Jeffrey Epstein-associated pedophile literally paid off Virginia Garuff in a settlement claim during uh, a legal proceeding to hush-hush the conversation surrounding him sexually assaulting a minor. Hmm. Now that could lead us into our next conversation, which, you know, would be a little bit deeper than that about this, you know, whole map situation, which we'll get into here in a minute. Um, but let's see if there's any more substance to these articles. I don't know anything about this princess Anne, um, but it sounds like, you know, maybe she's the one who a lot of people are rooting for, or that other person said, maybe I'm being propaganded. You know, I like that word, propaganda. <laughs> that seems like it's a, a very fitting word in these types of situations. Um, but how terrifying is that, that literally not only the King of England, but, you know, seeing over Canada, seeing over Australia, seeing over, you know, 14 different Commonwealth uh, realms is what they referred to it as, um, would potentially be Prince Andrew, also known as Pedo Andrew, because as we've stated, he's a pedophile. I don't know. Quite terrifying. What a horrific PR move by, you know, during all of this. Now, I did see something about King Charles. I, I just can't say that seriously. King Charles. I feel like I'm in a Disney movie. It seems so bizarre that we have kings and queens and princesses and, you know, royal family, you know, all based on bloodlines. That's the, that's the weird thing about the royal family is it's literally all based on bloodline. You cannot move your way into a position of power. It's literally a royal bloodline. And we talked about this an episode ago, where if you go back far enough, according to these, you know, conspiracy theories, you know, even people like Cleopatra and uh, there's like basically 12 royal families that have had these bloodlines go down and down for generations. There's a CIA document about it, which is quite, quite interesting. Um, so I'll have to check that out at some point. There's like a 217-page book that is uh, put into the CIA.gov uh, documents. You can go to Google right now, or even better, go to Brave Search um, right now and type in CIA uh, Royal Bloodlines uh, FOIA, <clears throat> Freedom of Information Act, and you will find the, the document that I'm discussing here. Uh, anyways, do some research on that. Happy to discuss it with you. All right, let's move on. Dr. Fauci and Rand Paul. And here is the clip. Uh, but she's had the flu for 14 days. Should she get a flu shot? Well, no. If she got the flu for 14 days, she's as protected as anybody can be because the best vaccination is to get infected yourself. And so she if, she not get it? if she really has the flu, if she really has the flu. Now, 
what this is, is this is Rand Paul grilling Dr. Fauci very recently regarding this, like today, I believe it's today. He's showing him on an iPad, the, the, his own statements from like a few years ago, saying these things about the flu. Okay, so take that into consideration when you're listening to this. Vaccination is to get infected yourself. And... Uh, but she's had the flu for 14 days. Should she get a flu shot? Well, no. If she got the flu for 14 days, she's as protected as anybody can be because the best vaccination is to get infected yourself. And so she if, not she get it? if she really has the flu, if she really has the flu, she definitely doesn't need a flu vaccine. Next, if she really has the flu. She right. should not get it again. No, she doesn't need it because the, it's, the be, it's the most potent vaccination is getting infected yourself. So when we look at this, we wonder, you know, why you seem to really embrace basic immunology back in 2004 and how you or why you seem to reject it now. As a matter of fact, Reuters fact check looked at that and said, Fauci's 2004 comments do not contradict his pandemic actually, actually, words don't lie. If you look at the words behind me, we can go over them a little bit at a time. She doesn't need it because the most potent vaccination right. is getting infected yourself. It so, is true. It is true, Senator. It is a very potent way to protect. So when you're trying to tell us that kids need a third or a fourth vaccine, are you including the variability or the variable of previous infection in the studies? No, you're not. So what I love about that is the fact that Dr. Fauci is just shaking in this piece of paper in his hand coming from Reuters. Like, Dr. Fauci, aren't you Mr. Science? Aren't you the only person who knows about science in this whole world? Didn't you claim to be the, what did they say? If you question Dr. Fauci, you question science itself. Like, aren't you the guy, not Reuters, not some random journalist who decided to, you know, try and make the world believe that their three-year-old needs another vaccination to be safe from a a thing that literally doesn't even exist today that, that the CDC itself said you don't even need to quarantine even if you have it right but you're sitting there trying to justify it and not only trying to justify it, like Dr. Fauci do you know that this is not Facebook jail court this is literally Senate this is a Senate hearing, not the hearing on Facebook's fact-checking, right? He literally brought, the fact that he brought that piece of paper with him to shake in front of the court, the fact that he did that and said, well, Reuters actually says a journalist with no experience in this says that you are wrong. Like you, you said it with your own words. How can you sit here in front of us and say that Reuters is going to like, um, you know, actually Reuters said that what I meant there is different from what I actually said. No, justify your position. Maybe, maybe you should back it up, not utilize Reuters and a fact checker. Like that's how far off we've gotten. That's how 1984 Orwellian we've gotten is now that somebody's going to sit in front of the Senate and utilize a journalist article to try and justify their own statements so they don't have to back it up and they're going to use these like abusive uh tactics done by these journalistic companies like reuters to to try and gaslight you into thinking that oh i you know reuters knows what i meant not not myself so i'll let them explain it you know it's like no literally you use your own words there 
Like it, it's it's so crazy to see that he went on to to use Reuters of all things to justify it. not even backing it up himself. Like he's literally, a, according to him, a scientist, and he can't even justify his own position on a statement that he made with his own words, saying that you do not need a booster, you don't need a vaccine if you got it, because that's the best protection that you can get is actually getting it, right? And not taking that into consideration when you are actually deciding to give children experimental drugs, right? It's it's so, so wild to see that. But I love the fact that Fauci was shaking on camera. I love that. It makes me feel so warm inside just to know that he was so uncomfortable that his body could not even handle it there. <laughs> And and then the other thing that I want to talk about, and, and I'll talk touch on this just super, super briefly, is that there was a clip going around of a of an employee from Chick-fil-A employee. A Chick-fil-A employee took down this guy that was committing, like trying to steal the keys of this woman who had those children in her car. But if you haven't seen it yet, it's gonna start making its rounds over the next few days. It's, it's a Chick-fil-A employee who just jumped at this guy like completely when he tried to like steal this woman's car with her baby in it and just like threw him to the ground, stood on top of him and just, you know, my pleasure to him. <laughs> Could you just imagine him whispering that in his ear as he took them to the ground? Just amazing, unbelievable. Um, but, you know, I digress. Now, the very next article is going to be Pakistan's former Prime Minister Nawaz Sharif's family had produced documents to prove innocence concerning ownership of properties in London. The documents were signed in 2006, but the Calibri font used in the document was released in 2007. So basically, uh, the document was dated 2006, and the font that was used in the document was 2007. So it completely showed that he fabricated this document. So we'll get a little bit more context here, and then we'll talk about it. Um, it goes on... Uh, to say that in July 2018, um, three members of the family were fined and sentenced to jail. Nawaz for 10 years, Miriam for seven, and her husband, Captain Sifdar, for one year. In the Avenfield Apartments case, as they could not show that the posh London property had been bought legitimately, while Nawaz was sentenced for owning assets beyond income, the other two were held guilty for abetment and not cooperating with the probe agency. It was in this case that Miriam had presented a trust deed dated February 2006 in Microsoft's Calibri font, which became commercially available only in 2007. Nawaz and his kin were jailed, but in September of 2018, the Islamabad High Court ordered their release and suspended their sentence pending final adjudication for the um, of the appeals against it. Hmm. So there is your breakdown of why we are even discussing a former prime minister of Pakistan. Now, a few of the comments that you'll find on this thread here are a little funny that somebody says, that's why I always stick with Times New Roman. Yeah, just in case you find yourself in a court settlement and you don't want to have to deal with a, you know, great lawyer finding out that the font that you used pre or post dated the document that you signed or forged even better. Um, <laughs> 
pretty, pretty wild. You know, what, what, what hot water you must find yourself in there to legitimately use font. Like how stupid would you feel right to know that you made that big of a mistake, right? And how easy is it to just, just use times new Roman. You don't have to get fancy here, guys. We don't need your Calibri. We don't need your comic Sam's. We don't need any of that. Times New Roman, all the way across, you're safe from lawyers coming after you for utilizing the wrong font. <laughs> all right, so I found that to be interesting, and let's see if there's anything else of note in here. Um, so somebody says, so that's what good lawyers are for. Yes, that is exactly what good lawyers are for, finding out that the person used <laughs> the wrong font. Interesting. All right. Anyways, I won't stick around on that one. I just found that to be quite, quite interesting. Now, on the backs of the Prince Charles or King Charles situation, let's go ahead and discuss this. There was an Al Paso teacher who was fired over telling their students to use maps instead of the word pedophile um, for a comment in the classroom that touches off a firestorm, says Fox News. We'll go ahead and we'll actually listen to this here, uh, but we'll listen to where she actually says that to him. And this article even goes as far as showing um, what the husband commented on a thread in a local Facebook group, which I found to be interesting too. So here is the article. It says, El Paso teachers firing over pedophile files comment in classroom launches a firestorm response. It goes on to say that El Paso's independent school district board of trustees said the allegation is being investigated thoroughly. An El Paso teacher in Texas was informed of her proposed termination after telling students to call pedophiles minor attracted persons. According to the city school district, but some witnesses say her remarks were taken out of context. Now she literally says you shouldn't call them pedophiles. It's oh, it, you, you, We shouldn't make fun of them just because they want to have sex with a five-year-old. She literally says to a high school student, it's wild. It goes on to say that in an 18-second clip shared on TikTok, the Franklin High School teacher identified as the El Paso Teachers Association uh, by the El Paso Teachers Association as Amber Parker, she'll never have a job again, um, can be heard telling students that they're not allowed to label individuals as pedophiles. She reportedly made the comment during a lesson on the play The Crucible. We're not going to call them that, Parker said in the video. We're going to call them maps, minor attracted persons. So don't judge people just because they want to have sex with a five-year-old, she says. What in the world kind of world are we coming to? We'll listen to the video in just a second, but it says first came the suspension. Then El Paso's independent school district board of trustees unanimously voted to fire Parker following her remarks. On the evening of August 29th, 2022, the El Paso independent school district was made aware of a classroom situation and promptly initiated an investigation. Um, after a thorough investigation was conducted on September 6, 2022, during a special board meeting, the Board of Trustees approved a decision to notify a Franklin High School teacher of proposed termination. The process will continue in accordance with the Texas Education Code. Any allegation of potential misconduct is investigated thoroughly, and the safety of our students is a top priority. As this is a personal matter, no further information will be shared at this time. So it goes on to talk about um, some students were saying that it was taken out of context, and then it gives what her husband actually said. Um, but let's go ahead and listen to this clip. It's Again, it's 18 seconds long, and we'll see what this teacher had to say about maps. What? Stop this, Diego. Yeah, no, we're not going to call him that. 
we're going to call them maps. No. Minor attracted persons. No. So don't judge people just because they want to have sex with a five-year-old. Oh. <laughs> that was the perfect cut. You hear the guy go, what the fuck? <laughs> That's wild. Now, thank the Lord that we're seeing retribution in this case. This is exactly what needs to happen across the board. And thankfully, it didn't have to come to school board meetings in this, in this situation. Right. A lot of these situations have come to school board meetings. Right. The sex books in children's libraries. Right. We've seen many, many videos about uh, parents going and speaking up against those videos. Um, there's some crazy, crazy books that they're putting in children's libraries talking literally about sodomy and about sexual positions to five and six year olds in elementary schools. It's horrific. But thankfully, thankfully, it didn't have to come to this case. At least as far as I know, it seems as if this school board caught it right away. And, you know, surprise, surprise, they did it in Texas. Now, um, I don't see how any of that could have been taken out of context. You can't say, you know, so don't judge people just because they want to have sex with a five-year-old. Yeah, I'm going to judge you. I'm going to judge you, and I'm going to do way worse than that to you if it's somebody that I know. I'm going to do far, far more to you than judge you. Yeah, dude, I'm not even going to get into it because that's called implication. But horrific, horrific thing to say and to say it to an entire class of children to say it to an entire group in a high school setting what kind of precedent is that setting you're literally talking to minors saying it's okay it's not only okay but don't even judge those people for doing that to a child for literally putting the child in a position where they're going to be hurt worse than anything you could possibly imagine giving so much trauma for the rest of their lives that they're going to have to deal with and unpack in a way that somebody who didn't deal with that could never have to imagine could never have to imagine and she's sitting in front of an entire school or an entire class of children saying that this should be acceptable and they shouldn't be judged not only that but we're not even going to use this term in case we hurt their little pedophile feelings like what in the world now um, it goes on to say that the school district board of trustees voted to fire Parker following her remarks. On the evening, uh, the El Paso school district was made aware of a classroom situation and promptly initiated an investigation. This is coming from the district's chief communications officer who told Fox News Digital after a thorough investigation was conducted on, Jan uh, on September 6th during a special board meeting, the board of trustees approved a decision to notify the teacher of proposed, to proposed to termination. The process will continue in accordance with the Texas Education Code. Any allegation of potential misconduct, we already talked about that, moving on. Some students went on to say that her words were taken out of context. The teacher was expressing this says how it was ridiculous how they how we might not be able to call people pedophiles that we will probably have to start calling them maps because it is offensive to them. The class agreed. That's not what it sounded like. Now, if that is what it is, maybe you shouldn't be saying that in a group of high school students. Um, but if you're being sarcastic and then following that clip by saying, yeah, this is disgusting. This is gross what they're doing. You know, we're absolutely going to call these people pedophiles and we're not going to give in to the woke ideology that is saying that we have to change the terms that we're using to describe the literal worst people in the world doing the worst act in the world with the proper term for doing so and fear of you hurting their feelings. If that is the case and she was being sarcastic, yeah, it's definitely a distasteful joke. Should she lose her job for a distasteful, sarcastic remark? No, but if she is sitting here in front of a class of high school students protecting pedophiles, 
and telling minors that they should also do the same, right? Literally the people that pedophiles go after minors in this case, um, now, it says that Daniel Call, vice president of El Paso Independent School District Board, noted that while the lesson plans are approved by administrators, Parker appeared to stray from it in the particular class. Call had previously offered Parker the benefit of the doubt, saying the video had appeared to omit some important context and that it seemed Parker was only pretending to advocate the position. Now, it did seem like she had some tonality there that seemed a little sarcastic, but I'm not going to be the one to protect her. Update on my last post. After hearing from some of the students that were in the class, including my own nephew, I believe now that the teacher had appeared to be promoting and normalizing pedophilia was pretending... Uh, I believe now that the teacher that appeared to be promoting and normalizing pedophilia was pretending to advocate a position she didn't actually believe in in order to challenge the students in preparation for them reading the play The Crucible. The video that many of us saw was missing the important context. I regret the negative attention that the situation has brought to the teacher and wish her well. I'm told she is a great educator. But he ultimately voted in favor of firing her, saying any reasonable person that heard what the seven trustees heard would have voted to terminate Amber Parker. Now, Parker's husband, Jason, said that Parker's comments were made to challenge students. Mr. Daniel Call, I happen, the sick, the sick, what? Mr. Daniel Call, I happen to be the husband of the teacher in question, Parker wrote on Facebook. I can tell you that we were shaken to our core about these accusations. It is both scary and disturbing that an edited 18-second clip could destroy a 30-year career when taken completely out of context. She is, ex is exemplary as a teacher and truly cares about the students. Needless to say, we have spent many sleepless nights because of this cruel release to social media of the 18 seconds. We pray that you and the rest of the board will see this for what it is and not allow the edited video to destroy an innocent woman, her career, and her family in the process. I want to thank you personally for the updated post to begin to right this wrong. So, it says that controversial classroom moments have been captured across the country in recent years, driving parents to school board meetings, demanding more of a say in their children's education. Um, now, let's look at some of the comments here. It says, this is a big problem with society. Anything and everything can be manipulated um, and put online or in the media to be the opposite of the actual facts. And once it is out, any correction um, or apologies are buried and people are left with false impressions of circumstances. Uh, it also says that, um, want to know what's wrong with education today. After speaking with students and witnesses, I have come to believe that the teacher was being satirical and not expressing a view she held, but rather the opposite. I hear she is a great teacher. Da, 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 da. Um, okay, that doesn't give us much information at all. Um, so it also says, so it is illegal to help a map with a cellulose nitrate and nitroglycerin assisted copper clab PB projectile traveling at two times the speed of sound, striking them with the frontal bone, exiting the occipital bone, or is that still murder? I, oh, I think that's called a gun. <laughs> <laughs> um, interesting. All right. Anyways, so this is, this is, uh, this is, you know, good that these headlines are starting to lean in this direction, right? Good that we're starting to see pushback from not only the parents going to parent meetings, but also the school boards going and realizing the pushback that they're going to have in these situations. Now, if this is a case where that teacher was being sarcastic, poor taste, poor timing, let's not even talk to children about the idea of normalizing pedophilia in the classroom. Obviously, you know, not the right way to go about that. Um, but should she be fired for having a sarcastic remark talking about maps? Eh, I don't know. 
But if she's saying that, you know, it, it, the, the sentence alone, maybe you shouldn't be talking about, you know, what did she say? So don't judge people just because they want to have sex for a five-year-old or with a five-year-old. Yeah, that's not funny. That's not a joke. That's not sarcasm. That's not, that's wrong time and place. If you want to do that at a bar and play devil's advocate on an argument, you know, you deserve to get ripped apart by whoever you're doing that with. Maybe you don't need to lose your job over being sarcastic on that note, but in this case, don't talk to children about not judging people who want to have sex with a five-year-old, right? Anyways, now, again, I think it's a positive thing that this is coming up. I think it's a positive thing that the school board is pushing back immediately, not waiting for parents to come to school board meetings, calling an emergency meeting over this because this got millions and millions and millions of views. Um, but Anyways, let's go ahead and move on. But before I do that, I need you to do one thing for me. And what I need you to do is, if you didn't hit that subscribe button, just tippity tap it. There's not very many things you can do in your day to get good karma. It's gonna come back around, I promise you. Your day's gonna get better. You're gonna feel just lighter when you move around. You know, when you're going to work, you're on your way to work, your day's just gonna work out better if you just hit that subscribe button. All right, if you're already subscribed, I appreciate you so much. Hit that five-star review button. All right, leave a nice review. Write something in the comment section, whatever it is, write a five-star review. Even if it's just five words, helps me get up in the rankings, helps more people get the message out on these certain topics and get a normalized view on some of the craziness that is happening in the world. This is not Fox News. This is not CNN. This is just a guy standing here, well, sitting here, um, drinking a little bit of whiskey and talking to you about my opinions. So leave a five-star review. Um, again, I appreciate you. Head over to the website, redpillrevolution.co. O.com is for losers. Head over there right now. You can sign up for Substack, which gives you all of the articles, um, all of the videos. And uh, if you don't see it, check your spam folder. All right. Um, anyways, go ahead and head over there right now. You can sign up for the Substack. You'll get all of the articles free to your inbox. You'll get the full video episode, full audio podcast directly in your inbox every single week, every single episode. And the uh, next episode we're getting or the one after that is going to be another interview. And I'm really excited about it. So make sure you stick around for that. Go head over there right now, redpillrevolution.co. And lastly, but not leastly, <laughs> you are going to die. I'm sorry to be the one to tell you. I'm sorry to be the one to break it to you, but you're going to die. And when you die, anything that you owe, including your home, your credit card debt, your car payments, all of that, taxes, all of that's going to be left to your spouse, all of that debt. Then if it's not your spouse, it's your grandchildren. And if it's not your grandchildren, it's your children. And if it's not your children, it might be some random guy that you never met that is just, you know somehow related to you that the government decides to go after. So what you need to do is you need life insurance. And if you don't have life insurance already, when I became a father, I am a father of three beautiful children. And when I became a father, it helped me to realize my mortality. I was never going to die before I had children. At least I never worried about it. Didn't affect me, right? Because <laughs> when I die, it's, it's, uh, it's done. It's over. But now I have an extension of my being on this world. I will live on forever. To Valhalla, I go. But when I go, I do not want to be the one to leave my children with debt. I do not want to leave my wife with debt, right? I want to leave them a legacy. And you can do that by going to redpillrevolution.com, hitting the menu button at the top left, and signing up for some life insurance. You're not going to get any phone calls. That's the biggest problem with the life insurance industry and the health insurance industry, if you ever dealt with it, it's a pain in the ass. It's the worst thing in the world whenever you put your number in the stuff. 
This isn't going to happen. You can sign up directly online. You don't have to talk to me. You don't have to talk to anybody. All right. We're currently in nine states. If you're not in one of those states, go ahead and send me an email. I will literally get the license just to help you get life insurance. Okay. Send me an email, austin at redpillrevolution.co. All right. Would love to help you out. All right. Let's move on. But again, head over there right now. Sign up, subscribe, five-star review, everything I just said. Go ahead and do it. I love you. I love you. All right. Let's move on. The next article that we're going to discuss here is going to be Ukraine's astronomers say that there are tons of UFOs over Kiev during the war with Russia. Wild stuff. If you haven't heard about this, this is an article from Vice. And it says Ukraine's airspace has been busy this year. That's the nature of war. But scientists in the country are looking to the skies and seeing something that they even didn't expect an inordinate number of UFOs. According to a new preprint paper published by Kiev's main astro astronomical observation in coordination with the country's National Academy of Science. Say that three times fast. Uh, let's try it. Um, Kiev's main astronomical observation. <laughs> I said it wrong the first time. Astronomical, observa uh, astronomical observatory in coordination. Astronomical observatory in coordination with the country's National Academic uh, Society of Science. The paper does not specifically address the war, but in the United States, the Pentagon has long hinted, speculated, and warned that some UFOs could be advanced technology from foreign militaries, specifically China and Russia. Though it hasn't been really given any evidence that this is actually the case, the Ukraine's paper is particularly notable because it is not showing that science has continued to, uh, to occur during this war, but also explains that there has been a lot, a lot of sightings. We see them everywhere, the researcher said. We observe a significant number of objects whose nature is not clear. The paper is titled Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon 1, Observations and Events Come from Observations Made by NAS, Main Astronomical Observatory in Kiev in a village south of Kiev called Vinarivka. According to the paper's authors, the observatories took on the job of hunting for UFOs as an independent project because of the enthusiasm around the subject. Yeah, interested. You got my interest. It goes on to say that it describes a specific type of UFO. The researchers call phantoms. That is an object that is completely black body that does not emit and absorbs all of the radiation falling on it. The researchers also observed that the UFOs it's seeing are so fast that it's even hard to take pictures of them. The eye does not fix phenomenon lasting less than one-tenth of a second, the paper said. It takes four-tenths of a second to recognize an event. Ordinary photo and video recordings will also not even capture the UAPs. To detect UAPs, you need a, to fine-tune the equipment, shutter speed, frame rate, and dynamic range. Wow. So video cameras, recordings, photos, and even your eyes cannot see the UFOs that are flying across Kiev right now. And there's an astonishing number of them, it says. Wild. So the researchers did just that. Using two meteor monitoring stations in Kiev and Vinarivka, we have developed a special observation technique taking into account the high speeds of the observed objects, the paper said. The exposure time was chosen so that the image of the object did not shift significantly during exposure. The frame rate was chosen to take into account the speed of the object in the field of view of the camera. In practice, the exposure time was less than one millisecond and the frame rate was no less than 50 hertz. 
Not sure what that means. Not a photographer. The scientists divided the phenomenon they observed with two into two different categories, cosmics and phantoms. We note that cosmics are luminous objects, brighter than the background of the sky. We call these ships names of birds, swift, falcon, and eagle, the paper said. Phantoms are dark objects, with contrast from several to about 50%. Says using cameras stationed roughly 75 miles apart allowed the scientists to make repeated observations of strange objects moving in the sky. The paper did not speculate on what the objects were, merely noted the observations, and mentioned the objects' incredible speeds. They went on to say that flights of single group and squadrons of ships were detected, moving at speeds from 3 to 15 degrees per second. Phantoms were observed in the troposphere at distances of up to 10 to 12 kilometers. We estimate their size from 3 to 12 meters and speeds up to 15 kilometers per second. Wow. 15 kilometers per second, if you break that down, is something like, I don't know, it's like 1.8 times something like that. I don't know. So it's basically like 9 miles per second. That math is probably terribly off, and I'm so sorry if you're somebody who goes by the metric system. I am not. So just trying to help you guys out. <laughs> it says, the easy explanation would be that these are missiles or rockets or something else associated with the war. But the scientists insist that their nature is not clear. UFOs are back in the public conscious after a string of sightings were caught on camera by Navy pilots. Congress has demanded answers, and the Pentagon responded by saying this is seen that this has seen some strange stuff but needed more time and money, of course, to because they don't have enough money to send to Ukraine and also look into potential, you know, UFOs entering our airspace with alien beings inside of them. At the same time, <laughs> to study the phenomenon appropriately. Congress gave them both and the Pentagon open to the AARO. Oh, the AARO is that we talked about this about a week or two weeks ago, where the Pentagon basically opened an entire subdivision section specifically to study this phenomenon of alien UFOs, not not potentially, you know, China and Russia uh, military aircraft. They already subsectioned off the potential of, of that, right? They said that we believe that some of these are not of human origin. They defy the laws of physics as we know them, okay? Wild, wild stuff. And they're starting to come out and talk more about this. All right, the article goes on to say, um, a recent addendum in the Senate Intelligence Budget Report said that the threat of UFOs was increasing exponentially and that the Pentagon's new office needed to focus on the UFOs that aren't man-made. Yep, exactly what we just talked about and exactly what we talked about a few episodes ago. So go ahead and listen to that one when you're done with this one. Um, Boris, the lead researcher of the paper, declined to comment. This says that there's an update from 913, which is yesterday. It says the original version of this article stated that the Kiev study was a joint venture with the Pentagon and NASA. It was not. Vice has corrected the story and regrets this error. Wow, good on you, Vice. Way to go. Way to go. Now, one thing that, you know, speaking of corrections, there's been a lot of articles recently talking about how Ivermectin was allegedly put in, I think it was the CDC or the WHO said that Ivermectin is now an allowable substance when it comes to COVID and it has helped significantly. Now, um, the correction that was made was basically that they are still not recommending it. They still want to do trials. That was the big correction that a lot of people made. Um, but they're saying that it's potential use. Hmm. Um, but there's been a few people like Russell Brand came out and made like an apology statement. Um, Russell Brand, the actor, 
awesome dude. One of my favorite, favorite podcasts. I've like tried to categorize myself as a podcast and I'm like, I don't want to technically be Tucker Carlson. I don't want to technically be a political podcast. I want to be more like if there's one person I can put myself in a category with that's like kind of a mixture of like libertarian politics, not left or right mainstream narratives, also kind of conspiracy based with a touch and little bit of like globalism pushback. <laughs> And some good humor. Hopefully you think so. Um, it's Russell Brand. Russell Brand's got a great thing going. Um, if you haven't listened to his podcast, go check it out. It's definitely uh, a bit on the same genre and topics that we discuss here. Pretty interesting stuff. A mix of politics, current events, pop culture, and a little bit of conspiracy stuff, if you know what I mean. All right. Now, um, pretty wild stuff. The, the the UFO situation is just wild to me. You know, there's been so many conversations, so many articles, so many, you know, governmental institutions that are pouring money into this now that are saying and making this conversation mainstream. You cannot ignore it at this point, right? Whether they're pushing an agenda or not, because for how long they've known this stuff's going on, right? From Roswell to, you know, literally, um, who's the guy that went on to Joe Rogan? Um, uh, Gosh, I'm blanking on the name. Um, but there's been so many people that have come out and said that they were a part of this, uh, you know, from anything from seeing UFO aircrafts, you know, how long have those sightings been going on? Uh, Jeremy Corbell is the guy I'm thinking of. Um, and he basically is one of the most uh, mainstream people talking about this. He's had uh, so many good conversations, really good uh, footage that he's caught on it, um, breaks down these things very, very well. Um, so, if you haven't heard that, go listen to the Jeremy Corbell podcast uh, with Joe Rogan. It's, it's quite, quite interesting. Um, and he even talks to somebody else who claims to have been a part of it at Roswell. So that's pretty wild, too. Um, and that was with... Uh, who? What is that other guy's name? Of course, I'm like just trying to think of names that of people I can't recall. Um, but it's pretty crazy. He like says that he basically went in and saw the UFOs, saw the um, saw Bob Lazar. There's a whole documentary on it. Bob Lazar's documentary by Jeremy Corbell, and they go into how he was literally taken by it was like the um, by the military, by the CIA, or whoever was conducting these operations, and because he was like in the newspaper for building rocket ships, <laughs> and so um, he they he basically went into um, area 51 and said that he saw the ships. He saw, literally believed that he said saw aliens. It was like years and years ago, but he said that he saw them. Um, in, in, so there's, uh, all of these things that came out, like the chemicals that they, the chemical compounds that he talked about prior to the government even saying they existed. So there's all these really weird correlations and all of these things. And Bob Lazar is a very interesting character. Um, he doesn't seem to want a ton of attention off of it. He seems to just be like, he, he legitimately seems to be telling the truth. Um, it's a very interesting conversation. Go look up that documentary too. Giving you lots of homework assignments today. Sorry. <laughs> Um, so, um, then we'll go ahead and talk about this in just a moment, which is the, the China situation with moon chemicals or, you know, nuclear fusion stuff. But one thing I did want to show is that, you know, apparently Dr. Fauci, Dr. Fauci, Mr. Science himself is getting still grilled by Rand Paul, which I love. And, and you'll see in this clip, he's literally shaking due to this conversation. So let's go ahead and watch this Rand Paul article. Take a little bit of a shift from the alien stuff. Um, which would kind of have been a nice segue into China going to the moon and finding this, but let's 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 stop that segue and let's go ahead and look at this 
Yeah, actually, you know what? Let's talk about it. <laughs> if you have not heard, China discovered a stunning crystal on the moon, which they believe could give us unlimited energy of nuclear fusion fuel. Now, this article is by Vice, and it says that the find makes China the third country to discover a new mineral on the moon. And the country says it's analyzed the soil for rail, rare helium-3. Interesting. It says that China has discovered a crystal from the moon made of a previously unknown mineral, while also confirming that the lunar surface contains a key ingredient for nuclear fission, a potential form of effective or effectively limitless power that harnesses the same forces that fuel the sun and other stars. The crystal is a part of a batch of lunar samples collected by China's Change 5 mission, which landed on the moon in 2020, loaded up with about four pounds of rocks and delivered them to Earth days later, each carefully sifting through the samples, which are now the first moon rocks returned to Earth since 1976, if you believe that. Scientists at the Beijing Research Institute of Uranium Geology spotted a single crystal particle with a diameter diameter smaller than the width of a human hair. The crystal is made of a novel mineral, Chan's Change Site, named after the Chinese moon goddess, Change, or Changi. I don't know how you pronounce that. There's a hyphen between C-H-A-N-G and then the hyphen and then E. It also inspired China's series of lunar missions. It is confirmed that as a new mineral on Friday by the Commission of New Minerals. It's a weird commission. Um, nomenclature and classification, which is uh, brought down to CNMNC <laughs> of International Mineralogical Association, according to the Chinese state-run publication Global Times, Change Site is the sixth new mineral to be identified in moon samples and the first to be discovered by China. Before China, only the U.S. and Russia could claim to have discovered a new moon, moon mineral. It is a transparent crystal that formed in a region of the northern lunar nor near face that is volcanically active about 1.2 billion years ago. Um, let's see what this article continues to say, which is according to the state media, the new lunar samples also contain helium-3, a new version of the element helium that has long fascinated scientists and science fiction creators because of its potential as a nuclear fission fuel source. The hypothetical form of power aims to harness energy released by atoms that merge under tremendous pressure, such as those in the interior of stars. Starlight is a ubiquitous product of nuclear fission, but human-made fusion reactors will still likely take decades to develop, assuming that they are fusible at all. That said, if these reactors do become a reality, helium-3 would be a good fuel candidate because it produces less radioactive byproducts and nuclear waste compared to other atoms. Whereas helium-3 is incredibly scarce on Earth, it is abundant on the moon, a disparity that has stoked dreams of mining the minerals on the lunar surface. Along those lines, China has joined the United States and other nations in expressing interest in extracting resources from the moon in the future. Very, very interesting. Now, a couple article titles that I'll go through here, and I'm not going to dive deep into these articles, but I just want you to know them. It says that China is planning to turn the moon into a giant space shield. Sounds like some Star Wars shit. Um, <laughs> uh, and another one is also um, space junk crashing all over the world, upsetting everyone. 
you know, I, I'm not that upset about space junk. Haven't heard about it much other than the fact that it's an unbelievable amount of space junk surrounding our earth. If you haven't heard about that, there's literally, there's a, I'm pretty sure there's a, a map that you can look at of the earth and it shows all of the space junk, which is like little things that we've sent up in pieces of uh, satellites and things like that. Like when they're done with a the satellite, they're done using it. All of the satellites we've ever put up there, they just leave them there. Even if they break down, even if there's things that go on with them, um, pretty, pretty wild stuff. Like they almost like the, when they go to plan a mission to go into space, allegedly, um, <laughs> when they go to plan a mission, they do math calculations because they track all of the space junk and try to figure out what timing of day based on the trajectory, the speed of the, uh, the speed of the rocket or whatever, um, to try and make it so it does not hit space junk. Because even if it hits a marble size of space junk going 35,000 million miles an hour, however fast they go, it's going to destroy, destroy the, um, destroy the ship. So they have to calculate it based on the timing. And there's so, so much junk in space um, that it's very difficult for them to time. Um, another article here from, this is from a little while ago, says Mars formation that looks like alien doorways spotted by NASA rover. How did we not hear about this stuff? There's so much wild things going on in the world today that it's like, I, I am so under the idea that this is a simulation. The simulation theory is so interesting to me because what is the likelihood? There was like literally horse and buggies like a hundred years ago, right? 1922, people were literally riding horses almost. And now it just so happens to be the timing that we're alive that we get to see the most interesting technological booms ever, right? You want to go back and talk, you know, and it's like a hundred years ago is literally your great grandparents. Your great-grandparents were alive 100 years ago, for sure, 100 years ago, right? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe your great-great-grandparents, but maybe your great-grandparents, depending on how old you are, um, and maybe your parents even, right? 100 years is not that long ago, right? And 500 years is not that long ago either. 500 years ago is literally your great-great-great-great-great-grandparents, that means five people had sex and now you're here <laughs> and all of a sudden we went from all living like the Amish or the Indians and all of the sudden since the 1500s, we are looking at space formations, nuclear fission rocks, talking about aliens visiting us. I'm literally speaking to you through a plastic piece of, uh, you know, bullshit that nobody knows exactly how it works. You know, it's like, it's so wild that we live here today in this reality on this timeline that it just seems so improbable to me. I just don't get it. it there's, there's literally no way. <laughs> the likelihood that I am not a Amish person on a farm, you know, 1500, you know, and even the fact of like 2000 years ago, right? Being that far again, that's not that far. That's literally not that far. Not that far, right? 25, 30, 30 sexes ago. <laughs> That's going to be the way that I, I I think of time now is how many people had to have sex between now and then for you to be in that era. 30 sexes ago, you could have been living in a time, the same time as Jesus. And now they want to tell us that like, you know, literally the earth was, the earth was, you know, however many, you know, years old. It's like, nah, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. I don't think so. There was an article that came out. There was like 30,000. Um, they found a body that, you know, was kind of disputing all science on humanity's, you know, uh, 
timeline. It was like 30,000 years old or even maybe even longer than that. But there's some really interesting scientific articles and things that have come out that, that even say that it's longer than that, right? That, that say that the pyramids were really from like, there's, there's all of the sentiment that's been eroded underneath. Like there's like pyramids under the pyramids that are coming up. And uh, they, they're like challenging all of the science, all of the religious beliefs, all of the things that we talk about today as being the timeline of humanity, right? It, it's it's pretty wild stuff. Um, and, and it's something to be interested in because, you know, we even go back into the conversation from yesterday of like the, or yesterday of last week and the queen and the reptilian species. <laughs> it's so funny how easily you can jump into reptilian Illuminati reptiles uh, controlling the world. Um, but there's like this whole idea of the Sumerians and the Sumerians being visited. And the Sumerians are like one of the very first humanity, like uh, very first peoples um, that humanity believed existed. And the Sumerian race being visited and given technology that that we can't even comprehend today. The, the ancient Sumerian societies had mathematical equations to map out the cosmos. And, and like, let me look up the timeline of like when um, the Sumerian uh, were even around. Um, because it's it's so wild when you look up the actual history of, of ancient Sumeria. Um, this says it was like 2,350 BC. So 4,000, 5,000 years ago um, in Sumer, uh, the Sumerians were people of southern Mesopotamia whose civilization flourished between 4,100 to 1750 BC. So six, 7,000 years ago. Um, like the ancient Sumerian technology, let's, you know, let's, let's dive into it. I got a little bit of whiskey left. Let's dive into the ancient Sumerian technology. <laughs> we, we might as well. Let's see if I can find it. Um, uh, let's see ancient Sumerian technology. And if you're still here with me, I appreciate you. This is fun. Let's do it. Ancient Sumerian technology. Um, let's go ahead and see what, uh, is questionable. Let's see what we can find here. So a few of the articles that are coming up is ancient Sumerian technology, nine ancient Sumerian te uh, inventions that changed the world. Um, let's see. There's like photo, there's like hieroglyphics of the Sumerians with, you know, weird technology and seeing like um, uh, chimera reptiles and, and different beings and gods and you know, it's such a wild thing to think that, you know, these people were just idiots. It's like, you know, we go back to episode one of the Red Pill Revolution podcast, um, which is, uh, you know, quite an interesting conversation. It's not as aesthetically pleasing as this. It may not even have the audio quality of this, but it's definitely worth a listen. Um, assassinations, cults or assassinations, cover-ups, and the cult of science. And in that episode, I talk about... Uh, a uh, famous scientist, one who actually came up with the PCR testing. Um, he was the Nobel Prize winning scientist who came up with PCR testing. And he goes on to talk about, imagine being the smartest mathematician in ancient Egypt and thinking you know all of the answers, right? And this is interesting when you come into like spirituality and, and you know, um, yeah, we could get into a weird conversation with that. But, you know, imagine being the smartest scientist in ancient Egypt. And now all of a sudden you're off by a half a degree and you don't even understand gravity. <laughs> it's like you're, we today are so wrong about so many things, right? And the fact that we have fact checkers is just so wild to me. And maybe that's a good segue to get into the clip with Rand Paul. But the fact that we have fact checkers, like we just know 
fucking everything is so wild because we know nothing. They knew nothing then, we know nothing now, and everything about our reality, right? The idea of aliens, of UAPs, of uh, our reality, of the multiverse, of the, uh, you know string theory, of all of these things, all of our ideas about these things are going to be comical comical to the people who exist 5,000 years from now. 100%. It's going to be a joke. Nobody's, people are going to look back and like, oh, remember those, you know, whatever they call us from, from then, <laughs> you know, remember those people from 2022 who believed in, you know, uh, who believed in gravity? How silly is that? <laughs> you know? It's, it's so interesting um, how, how we just think that we're so right about everything. Like science, the cult of science just has everything figured out. Um, it is, is so interesting. So you just got to jump into it. So let's, let's look in here and let, let's just look, let's start with this history article um, and see, but, and then we'll maybe look into a, uh, a conspiracy article. Cause you know, we're pretty spot on with these conspiracy things lately. It's, it's more like a, uh, I saw somebody say something that like conspiracies are, are more like uh, um, uh, spoiler alerts than anything. <laughs> Um, oh, here's the, the Anunnaki, right? We can, we can dive into that. So the first one we'll look at is the legitimate one. It's coming from history.com. And it says nine ancient Sumerian inventions uh, that changed the world. The Sumerian people of Mesopotamia had a flair for innovation. Here's how they left their mark. Now it goes on to say that the ancient Sumerians who flourished thousands of years ago between the Tigris and Euphrates rivers in what today is southern Iraq built a civilization that in some ways was the ancient equivalent of Silicon Valley. Wow, they really are propping up Silicon Valley there. As the late historian Samuel Noah Kramer wrote, the people of Sumer had an unusual flair for technological innovation. Now give me a second while I take a sip of this. It's Basil Hayden, if you're curious, a little Basil Hayden uh, bourbon here. Um, it's quite delicious. But, you know, when you talk to yourself for an hour and a half about wild things, somehow you got to get through it. So <laughs> it, it, it helps. Now, this goes on to say, in what the Greeks later called Mesopotamia, Sumerians invented new technologies and perfected the large-scale use of existing ones. In the process, they transformed how humans cultivated foods, built dwellings, communicated and kept track of information and time. The Sumerians' creativity was driven to an extent by their land's lack of natural resources, according to Philip Jones. They had few trees, almost no stone or metal, he explains, that forced them to make ingenious use of materials such as clay, the plastic of the ancient world. They used to make it from everything, from bricks to pottery to tablets for writing. But the Sumerians' real genius may have been organizational. They had the ability to take innovations that had been developed elsewhere and apply them to a much bigger scale. This way, they could mass-produce goods such as textiles and pottery that they could then trade with other people. As Kramer writes, there was something in the Sumerian identity that drove them to dream big and think ingeniously. Spiritually and physiologically, they laid great stress on ambition and success, prominence and prestige, honor and recognition. The Sumerians' innovations gradually spread and led to the development of the modern technologically advanced world that we live in today. Here are some of the areas where the Sumerians left their, art, their mark. They mass-produced pottery. It says that other ancient people made pottery by hand, but the Sumerians were the first to develop the turning wheel, a device that allowed them to mass-produce it. A doctor... Um, it's just given somebody's credentials who's saying that they enabled them to churn out large numbers of items, such as containers for workers' rations, sort sort of the ancient forerunner to Tupperware. <laughs> um, writing. Um, it shows a tablet 
Uh, and it says that Jones said it is unlikely, though, that 100% certain that the Sumerians were the first to develop a writing system. Either way, it is clear that they were using written communications between 2800 BC um, or by 2800 BC. But they didn't set out to write great literature or record their history, but rather keep track of the goods that they were making and selling. Their very first texts are just numbers and commodities. Scribes used sharpened reeds to scratch the symbols into wet clay, which dried to form tablets. The system of writing uh, became known as cuneiform, and as Kramer noted, it was borrowed by subsequent civilizations and used across the Middle East for 2,000 years. Or for 2,000 years. Um, it also goes on to say that hydraulic engineering, the Sumerians figured out how to collect and channel the overflow of the, Caris, the Tigris and Euphrates rivers in the rich silt that is contained, and then used it to water and fertilize their farm fields. They designed complex systems of canals and dams constructed of reeds, palm trunks, and mud whose gates could be opened and closed to regulate the flow of water. They made the chariot. Wow, that's pretty wild. The Sumerians didn't invent wheeled vehicles, but they probably developed the first two-wheeled chariot in which a driver drove a team of animals. Goodman says that there's evidence that the Sumerians had such carts of, and for transportation in the uh, early 3000s. So they came up with the plow, they came up with textile mills, and mass-produced bricks, and then metallurgy. What's that? The Sumerians were some of the earliest people to use copper to make useful items, ranging from spearheads to chisels and razors. They also came up with mathematics. Primitive people counted using simple methods, such as putting notes, notches on bones, but it was the Sumerians who developed a formal numbering system based on units of 60. According to Robert... Um, who wrote the book Groundbreaking Scientific Experiments, Innovations, and Discoveries of the Ancient World. At first, they used reeds to keep track of the units, but eventually, with the development of cuneiform, they used vertical marks on the clay tablets. Their system helped lay the groundwork for mathematical calculations of civilizations that followed. So, there is your legitimatehistory.com conversation around the ancient Sumerians. Now, here's one that's, let's see if we want to do this one. It's called the Anunnaki Conspiracy. The Secret Plan of the Gods, or we can go into, uh, let's see, what's another one? Sumerian text revealed eight intelligent beings um, that came to earth and ruled for 241,200 years. And it says the most controversial ancient Sumerian text reveals the list of eight ancient kings that are also known as gods who descended from the sky and ruled. Wow, that's an interesting one. Another one is Stargates in Iraq, from the Sumerians to the 9-11 attacks. That's a good one. Um, the other one is 23 conspiracies that are actually convincing. Okay. Um, which one should we do? Interesting, interesting. I'm kind of interested in the eight intelligent beings that visited us compared to the Anunnaki. We'll get into the Anunnaki later. Let's look at this one. All right. This says... <clears throat> I'll give it a second to load. It says that a Sumerian text revealed eight intelligent beings that came from Earth and ruled for 241,000 years. The most controversial Sumerian text reveals the list of eight ancient kings that are also known as gods who descended from the sky and ruled for over 200,000 years. Okay, there's even a video here that we can listen to. <clears throat> well, I guess it's all based on a video. So let's go ahead and see how long this video is. Let's listen to it. It's 14 minutes. We won't listen to all that, but let's see what it has to say. It says if, um, yeah, let's move on. Some random YouTube channel, but we'll listen to it. We'll give him a chance. According to the text, before the Great Flood, a group of eight intelligent beings ruled over Mesopotamia 
for a period of 241,200 years. The Sumerians were one of the ancient advanced civilization that lived around 7,000 years ago in Mesopotamia between the Tigris and Euphrates rivers, which later became Babylonia and is now in Iraq and Syria. Many artifacts have been recovered from the ancient site of Sumerians in Iraq, but the most intriguing was the manuscript that recorded the listing of Sumer kings and their reign lengths. The clay tablet of this unique text is 4,000 years old and was found by German-American scholar Hermann Hilprich. Really like at the music, beginning the of way. the 20th century, Hilprich found at least 18 such cuneiform tablets. They were not identical, but they shared the information that is believed to have been taken from a single source of Sumerian history. There are more than a dozen of copies of Sumerian king list found in Babylon, Susa, and Assyria, and the Royal Library of Nineve from the 7th century BC. The list composed in the Sumerian language consists of the names of numerous generation kings who ruled ancient Mesopotamia and also shared the details of their supposed lengths and location of kingship. Along with the list, the text also included the events of the Great Flood, traditions, tales of Gilgamesh, and stories of antediluvian rulers. The Sumerian list before the flood, after the kingship descended from heaven, the kingship was in Aradag. In Aradag, Alulim became the king. He ruled for 28,800 years. Alaljar ruled for 36,000 years. Two kings, they ruled for 64,800 years. Then Aradag fell, and the kingship was taken to Bad Tibera. In Bad Tibera, Enmelwana ruled for 43,200 years. And Mengalana ruled for 28,800 years. Dumuzid, the shepherd, ruled for 36,000 years. Three kings, they ruled for 108,000 years. Then Bath Tibera fell and the kingship was taken to Larag. In Larag, and Sipad Zidana ruled for 28,800 years. One king, he ruled for right. 28,800 years. <laughs> then He's not giving us much information there. Let's see if we can get a little deeper in this. Generations. Before the flood, there is also mentioned about eight generations that existed between Adam and Noah before the great destruction and then after the flood. The longevity decreased. The Sumerian list mystery still baffles historians as it shares some perplexing facts that relate to the actual events. What if the list tells us the correct information and the heavenly gods really lived and ruled for such a long period of time? What if they possessed the technology to increase life expectancy and became immortal? The legend of Hadapa can be found in ancient Mesopotamia as well as the ancient astronaut theory in both ancient Mesopotamia all right, let's move over to this because I think it's probably going to be a little bit better to listen to. <laughs> Here we go. Stuff because it's all from 6,000 years ago. There's still a lot of really confusing stuff about ancient Sumer is their depictions of the solar system. They had a depiction of the solar system 6,000 yeah. years ago that shows the sun in the center and it shows all of the known planets in the outside 
and they're you know they're they're relatively accurate in terms of the size. The model that the, yes. we we use today. How did he do that? Clearly knowledge that we've lost yes. in the past. The Sumerian text is some fascinating stuff because Right, they go on to have a whole conversation about it. That's uh, George's St. Pierre, who's a UFC fighter, <laughs> who's a, quite an interesting guy. He has a very, very interesting level of uh, knowledge when it comes to UFOs. He's quite, quite the character. Now, there's another account that I can find here. If I can find it, I think this guy goes into it in a really, really interesting way. And I just found it. So let's see if we can pull up some of the ancient Sumerian uh, videos that he's done because I find it to be probably the best breakdown that I have seen is by this guy and it's his Instagram account is Indigo Bruno so I N D I G O B R U N O and he talks about you know some really interesting conspiracy stuff from ancient civilizations to fish beings to Buddhism to the universe the you know some really interesting stuff the history of uh, of Egypt and some some wild things. So let's go ahead and listen to this one on ancient civilizations, and maybe he will even bring up the Sumerians because I know he did a whole video on it. Uh, we'll have to see if I can find that too. But while I'm doing that, let's pull up this one here, which is about ancient civilizations, and we'll see if he talks about ancient Sumeria. There we go. All right. Here it is. The ancient civilizations. It's because he knew that they had actually accessed the powers of the universe. It's not a coincidence that his inventions resemble the ones of the Egyptians. Here's the oscillator made by Tesla himself. And here's the Egyptian Ankh. As you can see, there's a lot of things going on there. Now I'm just gonna let you look at this and you can decide for yourself if you think that's not a coincidence. Like what? Showing he a computer motherboard and some in Egypt of their tablets. Conductors of free energy. This is the jet pillar compared to a high voltage insulator, things we use today. Here's both of them combined. I believe the Egyptians actually used these to build the Great Pyramids. As you can see, it's carrying a massive boulder. Tesla realized all of this, that's why he made most of his inventions. 1905, he submitted this patent for energy generators. It transmitted energy from the atmosphere into free energy that could be used worldwide. Tesla discovered that the ionosphere of Earth is full of limitless electrical energy. But his inventions disappeared after his mysterious death. Why was Nikola Tesla so obsessed with ancient civilization. So that's what that was about. All right. So maybe we can't get the, the videos I'm hoping for on ancient Sumeria. Um, but um, if nothing else, there's some wild, wild information about ancient Sumeria, about their their gods and everything. And they had so much information, um, so many things, including, like I said, like that Joe Rogan clip, which talks about 6,000 years ago, they mapped out our solar system. How in the world do you do that just by looking at the sky? Right? How in the world would you ever be able to look at? I mean, how how long would I? I know if I sat outside right now, you give me every drug or or beer, whatever you can imagine, everything you can ever throw everything at me, <laughs> everything you can, every substance in the world, and I will never be able to come up with the way that our solar system works. Right. And maybe I'm just not Nikolai Tesla or, you know, Albert Einstein. And that's that's a fair statement, too. But 6000 years ago with no technology, literally coming up with mathematics. And you're going to tell me that they were able to map out our solar system is 
so, so wild. So let's let's read one last article on this because I think, you know, maybe it's a little bit more legitimate. Maybe not legitimate is the word, but <laughs> um, let's go ahead and read this. The Anunnaki Conspiracy, The Secret Plan of the Gods. So it says, before the great pantheon of the ancient Greeks and the Egyptian gods, there was an ancient Mesopotamian gods, inhabitants of the Middle East, and in some texts of these civilizations, the Anunnaki are mentioned. So we'll get into the Anunnaki now. The Anunnaki served as the chief gods of the ancient Sumerians, as well as the Akkadians, Assyrians, and Babylonians, but the description of how many there were and what role they played are often contradictory. They were ancient Sumerian gods, the most powerful of the pantheon, descendants of the supreme deities, An and Ki, god of heaven and goddess of earth, respectively. Their mission to decree the destinies of all humanity. The myths of Babylonian creation, meanwhile, account that there were 300 Anunnaki assigned to protect the sky and another 300 to protect the underworld. Fast forward to the 19th century when archaeologists discovered dozens of ancient Babylonian clay tablets. The collections were so vast that research and translations on them continue to this day. There was a book written that promulgated translations of 14 specific Enki-related tablets, Planet 12, in which he claims that the ancient Sumerians said that the Anunnaki came from a mythical planet called Nibiru. Nibiru, according to Stitchin, was an elongated orbit of 3,600 years. When Nibiru was close to Earth at a distant time, the Anunnaki decided to approach the planet about 450,000 years ago, landing in Sumeria. It says, why did the Anunnaki come to Earth? They needed gold to repair the atmosphere on their planet, but not being able to mine it for themselves, they created a race of beings called humans to do the work for them. Sitchin's book sold millions of copies, and together with his predecessors, the Swift author and Russian author, they formed the Triumvirate of pseudo-historians who believed... What kind of word? Triumvirate. T-R-I-U-M-V-I-R-A-T-E. Hopefully you can say it. Of pseudo-historians who believed that ancient texts were not mere mythological stories. The three men expressed that the ancient Babylonian texts, among others, were scientific journals. Rather than viewing the Anunnaki as mythical gods from heaven, the three men believed that the Anunnaki were aliens. And that's not that far off when you understand that we are today and our government is still trying to figure out if aliens are visiting us. It says that leading scholars and historians roundly reject the notions of Sitchin and his colleagues. Ancient Babylonian stories are just that, stories written by ancient people trying to explain the world in a way that makes sense to them. Modern science and collective human knowledge have since advanced to explain floods, astronomy, animals, and the host of other concepts that were once considered the works of supernatural gods. There is no doubt about one thing. The ancient Babylonians were, mere, uh, were more advanced than what was historically believed. A clay tablet translated in just 2015 shows that astronomers made extremely precise mathematical calculations for Jupiter's orbit, a total of 1,400 years before the Europeans did. The Babylonians also created trigonometry 1,000 years earlier than the ancient Greeks. It says, did, did ancient civilizations have access to high-powered computers or technological tools that allowed them to perform these mathematical equations? No one knows what the ancient Sumerians thought they wrote about the Anunnaki. Historians denounce alien theorists, and they turn to believe that there is no way that an ancient civilization could have known complex mathematics without the help of advanced beings. The lingering questions and mysteries about the Anunnaki may have nothing to do with aliens, but to learn more, archaeologists must find more writings from that time period. Wow. Very interesting. Very interesting. Now, um, it's hard-pressed to find some, some good stuff on that. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe because it's wild, wild conspiracy theories that nobody ever wants to dive into. Um, but there is some really interesting real facts 
about these things that are very true, very true. The, the calculations regarding our cosmos, you know, all of those things, all of those things have real serious um, outcomes, like real serious places in, in history, right? So I don't know, do with that what you want. <laughs> uh, let's see if we can go into here. Um, let's see if there's anything else that we want to see. Um, Sumerian text really revealed eight ancient or intelligent beings that came to earth and ruled for 241,000 years. Um, yeah, I think we read a little bit of that already. Thank you guys so much for listening. This was a very, very interesting episode. We kind of jumped a lot around between everything, um, but I hope you bear with me. I appreciate it so much. I hope you have a wonderful day and welcome to the revolution. <laughs>